to If It's Gay We Play, yeah. the podcast where we dance to our own theme music and it's, you can't it's see it. It's good theme music. It is good theme music. I'm very excited about it. We're here. We're queer. Let's play some video games. That's right, my tired friends. I'm so tired. We're going to have a lot um, of... I'm going to try and lean away from the mic every time I snuffle, because uh, like I just did. I can't... I don't think about it. It's... Spring is here. Spring has sprung, which is to say that I'm leaking out of my face Hannah's constantly. disgusting, yeah. Uh, which is to say that I have allergies, not that I have some sort of horrible pustule on my face. I'm Kai. <laughs> my pronouns are they, them, theirs. I'm Hannah. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And neither of us have pustules on our face. Well, just the regular ones. Just the regular ones. I have acne sometimes. I'm going through puberty actively. Yeah, actually, your skin is looking pretty good lately. Yeah, it doesn't feel super great. I I feel like I can tell that it's not super great, but I appreciate the sentiment. Yeah, it's looking a lot better. Like, it looks like it's starting to settle down a lot. Yeah, it's not as bad as it was before. Anyway, puberty fun facts. It's Um, been a year. We (laughs) we told so many smart people this weekend that this was a smart people podcast. (laughs) The thing is... We're smart people in very specific contexts, I think. And then outside of those contexts, we're just gay. <laughs> I was going to say we're idiots. <laughs> no, we're, we're dumb not. We're gay not, idiots. We're dumb gay idiots. But being gay does not make you stupid, Hannah. No, but doesn't make you smart. No, it doesn't make you anything but gay. That's, That's the true. thing. That's the beautiful thing about it. So like um, in... Um, Oh, I don't know why this reminded me of this, but in a very in a very Potter musical, which you haven't seen for some Christ for sake, haven't you not? I've seen it like seven times. Oh, it's a very Potter sequel you haven't seen. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, in a very Potter musical when Voldemort is like killing people doesn't make them like you. It just makes them dead. It's basically exactly Being that. gay doesn't make you smart. It just makes you gay. <laughs> That's very good. That's a very gay reference. I'll tell you right Thank now. Thank you. Very fun musical rules. Apparently yeah. some of those guys are huge dickbags, but... That sucks. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I mean, just like J.K. Rowling, the creator of Harry Potter, yeah. so it's kind of fucking how it They're goes. also musical theater kids who are like 80% dickbags. I can say that. We went to school for theater. I know. Theater. I'm just a little bit sad because I'm a musical theater kid. Yeah, but you're not like 80% a kid. of me is a dickbag. Yeah. And also, you're not a kid who does musical theater, and like musical theater is your whole like life. It was. I yeah, okay. Not since I've never known you as a kid who's like doing musical theater. That there was one solid year, my friend, where I was applying to all those colleges for musical theater specifically, and oh, I, I was just that. doing musical theater. And then I went to our school Which and didn't didn't have a musical theater program. Yeah, but it had a really cute butch, so I decided to go. Oh geez, <laughs> the cute butch was Hannah. It was me the whole time. It was you the whole time. I'm also eating a muffin, which I feel like the mic is going to pick up. I'm a trash. <laughs> You're doing a very good job of podcasting this morning. It's like I morning. forgot how to podcast. Let's roll right in to Call Out Corner, because um, I would like to call myself out. I'm glad that that's uh, caught on. That's yes, well, we're calling listen, it. I like Emendation Station. As yeah, much but Call Out Corner is um, um, catchier. Listen, I get it. Um, so, the character, Isabella, from Dragon Age, uh, the sequel. Two? Dragon Age 2. <laughs> Some might even call it. Listen, I'm Dragon just trying Age to have two, a good time. I don't need this. Um, I referred to as Zevran as polyamorous uh, from the first one, and I was like, Isabella, is she? She totally is. That's confirmed in Dragon Age Inquisition. Yeah, I, was I thinking started about to it. say that, and then I got distracted by something yeah. else. I kept myself up at night, like thinking, "Is Isabella Polly?" Because I feel like she is, and she totally is. She and your hawk, if you get, if you two get together, um, 
uh, Hawk talks about being in a polyamorous relationship with Isabella. Hawk is just like, in Inquisition, we yeah. both sleep with whoever and we love each other very much and we're very happy. And I'm like, cool. Yeah, that's basically that interaction. Yeah, that is the whole interaction. Now Hawk, Hawk is like, Isabella's out there having fun, hopefully not too much fun. Uh-huh. Yep. It's, that's how that interaction actually that is, goes. Well, listen, I... There's a lot that you can extrapolate from that that's yeah. not present without context. That's so true. I just wanted to share with the folks. Yes. Um, I also, I have a call out corner for myself. I referred to the actress, the voice actress who voices Josephine as bisexual. I don't actually know if that's true. I know she's queer. I don't know if she's bisexual specifically. I think I was thinking of someone else. Um, I can look it up later. I haven't done so, but I just <laughs> thought of that. Um, but I don't know if she's bisexual specifically. I do know that she is queer. Cool. Thank you for, uh, thank you for sharing. Yeah, yes. definitely, definitely. Not her Instagram or Twitter. Too. The other thing. Uh, yes, the two social medias. Mm-hmm. The two genders. <laughs> Instagram and Twitter. Oh God, what a horrible world. I'm sorry. Um, what are we playing right now, Hannah? I'm still playing Breath of the Wild. Um, and I continue to like it, but I continue to find things about it that I'm disappointed in. In the context of games and also in the context of Zelda games. I see. It's it's not my favorite Zelda game. It's still Wind Waker. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and it's, I think the reason it's not my favorite Zelda game is it, it in many ways, doesn't really feel like a Zelda game. Like, it sort of feels like this fun open world game that there's a Zelda skin on. Mm. I feel like because it's less, like, plot and character focused than other Zelda games, um, and because the... I don't know, like the combat, like one of the most fun things about Zelda games usually is the combat mechanics and mm-hmm. the combat mechanics just to me aren't as fun in uh, Breath of the Wild and it could be that I'm just not as good at it, Okay, um, but it just doesn't feel like there's as many like cool, fun, like attacks and things I can do with my swords. Um, that's sort of exacerbated by the fact that your weapons break so easily. Um but yeah, normally like in Wind Waker, like that's one of the most fun parts is how you can like jump around and dodge and roll and like yeah, yeah. do all this cool stuff. Um, and then in Twilight Princess, same thing. The mechanics were a little fucky because it was trying to do this thing with the Wii where you like swung your Wii mote to swing the sword. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a little like janky. Um, so yeah, so that's, there's that. It just feels, I had, yeah, I had that thought last night that I was like, there's more combat because it's you encounter like monsters more frequently, but like that to me is a little less fun. And it's also it doesn't feel as much like a Zelda game because normally in Zelda games you have this whole like like retinue of cool fun like toys you get to play with. Mm-hmm. Like you usually get a grappling hook or like hook shots um, or like iron boots and like there's ways to solve these puzzles. And you get these runes which are supposed to sort of do a similar thing in this one. But it's just like, man, I wish I had hook shots and a grappling hook and stuff. Like, it's really fun to move around the world and solve puzzles with those things. So it just feels less Zelda-y because I don't have all these, like, fun toys that I can access at any time. Um, And then it continues to have these things. Like, I did get to the Gerudo Desert. And I actually went through that. Like, I've done that. Divine Beast. Like, I did that whole quest. Um... But I did, I had that interaction with that trans lady, and it is, it's, it wasn't, honestly, it didn't feel as bad as I was expecting it to. Like, it's not good, but it's basically all these folks in the world, uh, like, um, talk about, they're like, oh, there's this man who traverses the desert who I heard snuck into the Gerudo village, because you're not allowed to go into the Gerudo, like, men aren't allowed in Gerudo Mm -hmm. town, um, 
So you have to seek out this person that everybody keeps describing. Some people describe them as a man. Some people describe them as a woman. It's actually entirely possible that they're gender fluid. Like, there's nothing that says that they are a woman. Um, But, like, people describe them as a man or as a woman. And then you meet them um, and they hit on you, but you don't. Link, like, gets bashful. He doesn't, which I think is kind of cute. Like, he doesn't, like, respond badly. You have the option to say, but you're a man. But I obviously didn't choose that because I'm a human being. Um, and then they, uh, sell you these clothes, which are like women's clothes in the context of the world that you have to wear in order to be in Gerudo town. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like a crop top. It's like fly. It's like a crop top. And like, I don't know the proper word for this. This is probably a bougie white person term and I'm sorry, but like harem pants. I don't know what they're actually called and I'm sorry. Um, but like flowy deserty pants, um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, like a veil. And uh, when Link puts on the outfit, it, like, the camera pans up on him. And it's not, to the game's credit, it's not, like, a joke moment that they're, they've made out of it. They're not, like, oh, Link, like, Link doesn't get embarrassed. Like, they're not, like, Link looks like a girl. Let's laugh at him. They, like, pa- the camera pans up on Link. And he sort of does that thing where you, like, put your knees together and, like, kick your feet. Like, he's all, like, bashful. Like, he knows he looks good. And he's all, like, bashful in his outfit. Well, that's cute. So that, to me, was kind of a cute queer moment. Um... And then there's a moment where, like, the wind blows and, like, the person who sold you the clothes, their veil lifts up and you, like, see that they have a beard. And, like, Link, like, just kind of, like, shakes his head. Like, he's just like, ah, you. Um, So it was weird. Again, it didn't feel as bad as I thought it was going to. Again, not good. But, again, the game, the and correct me if I'm wrong, internet world, but the character never states that they are a woman. Um, and the game never actually states that they are a woman. The game alternately calls them man and woman. So it's, again, it's entire... I don't know that... I don't think Nintendo is this nuanced. I don't know that this was intentional. But it's entirely possible that this person is gender fluid and not getting misgendered. They just present different ways. Like, it doesn't say that that's not true. Um, and I think you could read it that way. Like, it never actually states that she is a trans woman. Sure, I totally think you could. It yeah. just sounds like a lot of those are traditional markers of like making fun of trans women. No, I completely agree. Yeah. But it is, it is. I think worth noting that the game, the character, has accidentally created a, a gender, gender fluid, fluid character. character. Yeah, the and it maybe is intentional. I don't really have that much faith in Nintendo, but I it's don't. Maybe it may be intentional. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah, the character themselves never actually like genders themselves. Like they never actually state that they are a woman i want to play this game any gender for myself um yeah they never actually state a gender at all they just like talk about how fly they look in their clothes and then like say how cute link is and then sell link some clothes and then talk about how cute link looks in the clothes and link is like yeah i do look cute um so that was actually if you because i i don't know it was kind of hyped up for me um but you could read it as a really cute queer moment, I think, pretty successfully. Like, you can queer that moment pretty successfully. Okay. Well, I'll check it out. Um, something that I wanted to talk about on those lines was the uh, the interesting facet of the three articles of clothing that oh, you have yeah. to wear in order to get into Gerudo yeah, Village. You, I wrote a note. Yeah. Um, because Can in, I can provide the game context yes, really quick? Because you're sorry. You have to. So if you're in Gerudo Village, you have to be wearing that entire outfit. Like, all the armor sets in the game. You have a helmet, a like a... Shirt, basically. Chest piece, yeah. Yep, and pants. And you have to be wearing all three to be in Gerudo Village. If you're not, even if you're wearing, like, a different shirt, um, somebody will, like, call you, like, 
a man, like the Gerudo term for man. You stop passing. Vote. Yeah, you stop passing immediately if you're not wearing. Even though, like, the pants you wear in the game are, like, skinny-ass skinny jeans, um, you, like, immediately stop passing if you wear, if you don't wear any one of the three of the clothes, which, Kai. Yes, uh, so there was this rule uh, for, like, queer people who were dressing in clothing that did not belong to the gender that was on their identification. Um, in, in gay bars, like in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, that era when the cops were coming and busting into gay bars and arresting us and assaulting us and doing other horrific things, um, you had to be wearing at least three articles of clothing that matched the, the, like, gender on your identification, or else you would be arrested for fraud, basically. Not, like, fraud, like, monetary fraud, but, like, lying about but yeah, your like gender, per- basically. Perjury, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um... And that just reminded me so distinctly of that. I turned to Hannah, like, in shock when you were playing the game, and I was like, it's just like the cops. It's just like the fucking cops. Mm-hmm. Like, Gerudo Village was just like the police. You gotta be... But it was three articles of... You had to wear three articles of clothing in Zelda to, like, pass as this gender. Yeah. Not... To, you didn't have... Yeah, yeah, to, like, prove that you were yeah. a man to, like, pass as a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, an interesting parallel. Again, there's many things to be queered in this game. The most bullshit part about Breath of the Wild so far um, is, again, the, like, compulsory heterosexuality and, like, the gender policing that's happening. Not in that moment, but, like, in Gerudo Village, it's a village of all women, so I guess in this game, I don't know if it's true in other games, like, men are very rarely born into the Gerudo. Um, And so the Gerudo women, like, their whole, like, quest is to, like, go out in the world and find a husband, I'm like, oh, geez. it's they've created a world in which there are no lesbians. It's kind of like how people like watching Wonder Woman. Yeah, we were talking about this. Yeah, which is uh, a flawed, but none, nevertheless, I love that movie so much. Um, that uh, when s- the guy Steve, Steve is I like, think his name is. yeah, his name. All guys are named Steve. Um, yeah, Steve, right? Yeah, Stephen, Steve. Everyone's named Steve. Um, we just pointed at Aaron. Hi. <laughs> he gave a vague <laughs> wave. Um, that, uh, uh, he's, like, talking about, he's, like, trying to ask Diana if she knows what sex is, basically. And she's <laughs> like, yeah, men are necessary for reproduction, which is scientifically no longer, it's becoming less true. Um, and also, like. She said men aren't necessary for pleasure. Yeah, she, she said, said men are not. Well, she says, I was going to say that next. Oh, okay. She says. Men, while necessary for uh, reproduction when it comes to pleasure, are ultimately unnecessary. And uh, people, like, watch that movie and think Steve was, like, Diana's first kiss. And I'm like, oh, honey. First of all, Wonder Woman is canonically bisexual. Yes, canonically. She Um, was created by a polyamorous, like, triad. Yeah, of a polyamorous queer triad. Yeah. A polyamorous queer BDSM, BDSM triad. Yes, yes. And Wonder Woman was supposed to be the like avatar of the person who created her. Yeah. Both of his partners. Yeah. Like it's not an accident that uh, Wonder Woman ties people up in a lasso. No, not at um, all. In fact. It's in fact very intentional. Yeah. She's intentionally kinky. Yeah. I love Wonder Woman so I much I'm going to cry. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like that moment where it's like really Nintendo <laughs> like you've created this world of all and I wouldn't expect them to like put like actual queer characters in the game other than that one person um like I wouldn't expect them to put lesbians in the Gerudo village that would be far too high standards for them but they um, should have but they should have and it's just bananas to me and it's so like 
they're all like, ooh, you're a vow, which is the Gerudo term for man. Um, and they're like, I have to go out in the world and find this husband and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, honey, no, you don't. Just find a wife. Yeah. They're right there. They're all right and there. In fairness, you don't talk to every Gerudo, so maybe you just talk to the... You just happen to talk, talk to, to the straight Talk to all the straight Gerudo. Um, but yeah, I guess that's how they like perpetuate their race, because there's like no men in the race, and they... I oh, guess. so do they like have sex with the other people who aren't Gerudo? Yeah, I guess they might have to because they. I guess they yeah. reproduce in in this world. They that's how it's set up is that they like reproduce sexually, yet they have no one to sexually reproduce with. Other so is it kind of like the Asari people? Yeah, it's kind of Asari like, but yeah. shitty. Because oh. um, Asari are cool and queer Asari and can reproduce queer. with people of any gender. That's true. Because they like reproduce via psychic connection. Which is so tight. They're amazing. That's very um, good. But yeah, it's just it's just very like heteronormative gender policing. But again, that has been more bothersome to me in the context of like all the girls Zora are pink and all the yeah. Gerudo are apparently straight, which is bananas because they're hot desert, hot, tall, powerful desert ladies. Um, sounds gay to me. It does sound very gay is the thing, Kai. Yeah. And it would be if this was a reasonable video game. <laughs> Unfortunately, in a reasonable it is world. not a reasonable video there game. There was a, a moment world. where, um, I guess, okay, so there was this moment where, like, you have a flashback cutscene. I'm mm-hmm. going to talk about Breath of the Wild a lot because I have a lot of feelings I about understand. it. I understand. And it's what, you're not playing anything, so this is taking up your portion of the segment. I do. Fine. No, I do want you to talk about that. Um, but, uh... Where there's the, the like, Gerudo champion, Lady Urbosa, is you, like, come up and she's sitting on um, this divine beast. Cool. With, and Zelda is, like, laying on her chest. And I was like, wow, that looks really gay. And then Link comes up and Urbosa, like, talks to Link for a minute. And then Zelda wakes up and uh, is, like, looks to Link and she's like, what are you doing here? And it's this very gay moment. I looked really on the gay. internet and apparently uh, I don't. There's a lot to be said about this, um, but apparently uh, the it's, uh, the Wikipedia page says it's like this more motherly relationship that Urbosa has with Zelda. How but old is Urbosa? She's much older than Zelda, oh, okay. but it could be like a Carol situation. No, totally, you know totally, what I mean? Totally. Or, or I guess like more of Sarah a price Paulson. of yeah, uh, uh, Holland Taylor situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that because Zelda's supposed to be like seventeen, eighteen. Oh, okay. Um, but it's you know it's a world with different norms or whatever yeah um but yeah there's no that's not stated in the in the game all that's stated is that these people are cuddling and then zelda seems like embarrassed that link saw them and then later urbosa's like take care of zelda like i choose to read it as very gay you can you the internet the, can say whatever right it world. is it wants but none of that mother i mean maybe that this happens later in the game but none of that like motherly context that the internet says is like stated at all mm-hmm. it's just it looks gay, and I choose to believe that it is gay. And again, it could be like a price of salt situation, which there's a lot of conversation to be had about that. Sure. But it's it was, as we've talked about, there was once more of a norm in the queer community to have um, very large age gaps between folks. You're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm sorry. I, I don't know why I'm looking at you like that, because I do know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know about, exactly what I'm talking about. about. We've talked about it, and you I should chime in. I don't mean to be looking like you that. You know more yeah. about this than I do. Yeah, I mean, because it was uh, kind of like, you know, before the internet, it was uh, much harder to get in integrated into queer culture, and, like, you didn't know where places were because we were even more undercover back then. Mm-hmm. So, like, a lot of the time... Um, you would meet an older queer person who would not only, like, 
teach you how to be queer, basically, but they would teach you, like, how to have sex as a mm-hmm. queer person because there were no resources for us to learn how to do that otherwise. Um, and not only that, but, like, there were uh, fewer of us who were out, mm-hmm. so it was much harder to, like... Find a, find a partner, a yeah. partner. Um, and so, a lot of the folks who... Like, if you were a young, new queer person, a lot yeah. of the folks that you could find were out were, like, already older yeah, and established. Yeah, more established, yeah. So it, it was a much more normal thing. And I still don't think... I still think that in the queer community, it is still much more normal to have age mm-hmm. differences in relationships than it is in, mm-hmm. like, the straight community or whatever. Um, because mm-hmm. I don't really read into that when I see an age difference in, like, a queer relationship uh, as, as one might in a uh, heterosexual relationship. I also think that the power dynamics are a little bit different oh, totally, in relationships yeah. because yeah. we're already, like, queering power dynamics to begin with, and there are different, like, gender roles that are ascribed to the people that are involved a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. So that that creates a different uh, a differential already. Totally. You know? And it's not to say, like, we're not, like, no tea, no shade, no pink lemonade. We're not trying to, like... If you, like, there's... Pu- it's not to say that, like, all straight relationships with very large age differences are like weird power dynamics or it's like not to that say that all straight any... relationships do have weird power dynamics no totally um that like that's like a shameful thing or something but like i i mean i don't know <laughs> i think more of it when i see especially a much older man with a much younger woman well, yeah like a teenager like that's i think that's pretty fucked yeah we're not necessarily even a teenager just like a like Oh, I was just comparing it to Zelda. Yeah, totally, yeah. Um, and it's not stated how old Urbosa was, is either, mm. uh, but just much older. Um, but I think less of that when I see it in a queer relationship. I think partially because of, like, you were talking about that history, um, of that being more... You're once again looking at me like, I don't know <laughs> No, that. I'm trying to listen and No, that's... Sorry, I, it, I'll stop... Um, addressing your facial expressions. But like, uh, I feel, I guess, because I I don't feel a lot of confidence in what I'm saying because I don't want it to be read poorly. Um, But like, I I think less of that when I I see that in a queer relationship. Again, because of that history and context and because, um, I don't know, there's less of like a, it's not to say that like older queers can't be predatory, but like, it just feels more predatory when I see it in a straight relationship, especially if the man is much older. Yeah, and that might be a bias on our own part yeah, or totally. a combination of bias and that history as well. I mean, I think there's a lot that goes into it, and I think that it's a discussion that we need to be having as our community kind of shifts mm-hmm. in assimilates, honestly. Yeah, sure. Because there are different expectations that are placed on our, rela- our relationships and ourselves, and like we have to assimilate in different ways than totally, we yeah. to. Totally, yeah. And that's not to say that, again, age gaps in queer relationships can't be predatory, because they totally can. Yeah, no, can. they totally can. Yeah, um, we're not excused from everything. Queers aren't. I just thought that moment, and it was also very late, and I was doing a thing, but yeah, I thought that moment it, I was, it seemed very cute and queer. And if I hadn't, like, looked up the context, I yeah, would have just have continued like, to... Yeah, and I do, because... Yeah, you have... Fuck you. Yes, correct. That is that is the correct option. Uh-huh. Make it gay, you cowards. <laughs> yep. Slams fists on table. I'm sure that was good audio. I'm sure it was good audio, so Hannah. gross. <laughs> and we love you anyway. Mm-hmm. I love you. I'll speak for myself in the microphone. Oh, yeah, we told all these cool academics that this was a... Cool, smart academic podcast. I don't know. We just had a pretty cool, smart academic conversation about history. That's true. Um, 
What's the gayest thing you've done this week? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me what I was playing. Well, this, well, this, it's, this it's works the for same because uh, you're not playing it. The gayest thing that I've done this week, I think, was to do a uh, one-person show about my gender. <laughs> yeah, that was so gay. <laughs> it was really fucking gay. Um, yeah, it was uh, called Transbender, One Boy, Girl's Brave Journey. Uh, it closed on Saturday. I had four four solid days of, of acting every, every night. And boy, howdy. I am so tired. Um, yeah, you got a stress ulcer. I, yeah, I got a stress ulcer from doing this show. Um, <laughs> because it is so incredibly stressful to, like, look back at your life and be like, this is the way that I was socialized and, like, critically analyze every aspect of everything that has ever happened to you. Well, it's also stressful to act alone it's on stressful stage to act for alone 20 on minutes stage. with nothing. Like, you have to carry the whole production. Uh, yes, and that's part of the reason why it was 20 minutes, because uh, it's much easier to carry a whole show by yourself for 20 minutes. And this is not to say that I'm not a strong performer, because I, I am a very strong performer. Yeah, you fucking killed it. it. Thank you. But it's so scary to be alone on stage for 20 minutes just talking. Well, I wasn't just talking, but, like, just trying to make people, like, keep their attention on you. Um... And it went really well, and I was very proud of it. Um, but I think the gayest thing was probably the talkbacks. Yes, uh, those are very because good. Because Hannah was there for them because she did uh, lighting design, and uh, she edited it, and Aaron, our producer, was there for them because he did sound design. He put a lot of work into that, both of them did. Um, and then we had the uh, the house manager and the stage manager there also, um, two lovely non-binary folks whose names I won't use here because I don't know if they're comfortable with that. Um, and... We talked so much about queer stuff during the talkbacks. Like, holy shit. People asked far more questions about, like, trans and queer existence than they did about the art of the project. They, That's true. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite questions that I got was in my program, um, I say, like, about the performer, like, Kai is a genderqueer lesbian who is actively medically transitioning. Somebody raised their hand and was like, can you tell me what that means? And I was like, yes. Yes, I can. Uh... But like that, that was that was pretty gay. Like, that was very gay. That was pretty. That was pretty gay for both of us. Well, I we had say. a lot of really cool folks come to the so show. So many cool folks came to the show. Oh, we should Brianna's card because we should plug her campaign. I do. do you I have? definitely okay, do. Perfect. Um, so Brianna Titone is this local uh, Democrat who is running for House House District Twenty Seven, and you can find her at www.briannaforcolorado.com. Mm-hmm. Brianna spelled B R I A N N A. Titone spelled T I T O N E. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a tight last name. Yeah, she has a tight last name. Uh, and she's this really cool uh, Democratic candidate who also happens to be trans. Mm-hmm. She is trying not to make that like the focus of her campaign right. because she's just really cool. But she's running against a Republican incumbent yeah. and it would be tight as hell. I don't think, and I think she might have said this, I don't think there's any other trans folks in like public office in Colorado, not in like governmental. I mean, I'm sure in like lower level governmental offices, yeah. but I don't think there's any queer like representatives or senators and she's running for state representative. Yeah. Um, and it would be tight. It's not our district. It's out in like Arvada. It's out in Arvada. Yeah. Um, so if you live out in Arvada, uh, look her up. She's Please really do. cool. Yeah. Her politics are really cool and she's really nice and kind and came she's to our so show. Nice. And her partner is really nice and kind yeah, and came really to our show. Too. They're really great. Uh, we had a, we both, um, had a, cool long conversation with both of them uh after the show one night and yeah. it was just and it was awesome that they found us on facebook they didn't like we didn't know them yeah we didn't um, know them before this now we do and yeah. we want them to be in office well we want her to be in office um yeah and uh yeah that was really neat that was was that your favorite post-show interaction because i want to talk about my favorite post-show interaction um 
and how it just about That's building queer question, community actually. and how cool it all was. It was so cool and fulfilling. I think one of my favorite post-show interactions was when um, our our friend, your uh, ex of a couple years ago, came up to me and was yes. just crying about the experience that she had. Yeah, that was really um, cool. I... I that was the ex I got lunch with, if yeah. you remember. <laughs> if you remember back in our uh, podcast lore, yeah. I don't often expect to make people cry. Like, I don't go in expecting anything, really. But the fact that, like, she had such an emotional experience watching something that I did was, like, really incredibly touching mm-hmm. to me. It was so touching in general and so, like, cool and, and fulfilling, like I said, community building. And, like, I don't know, validating yeah. that how much, like, the queer community felt like it was built in those talkbacks yes. and in that space, like how many folks like really resonated with the show and like, like a lot of straight cis people really resonated yeah, yeah, with the yeah, show. Yeah, totally, and yeah. I felt like it made the emotional experience of existing in a non-binary trans body, like more available to mm-hmm, people who yeah, wouldn't like get that otherwise. Um, and it's, yeah, in queer utopia, straight cis people are also part of queer family. You yeah, know what exactly, I mean? Yeah. Um, and, uh, my favorite post-show interaction and just like, Speaking to the power of visibility and like why we do this mm-hmm. podcast too is this really lovely human um, who Kai knows who I had not met before. Yeah. Um, I'd heard their name. Uh, came up to me after the show um, and was crying because they uh, I had said I was asexual in the talkback and they were crying because I was the only other asexual person they've ever met. Um, and it was just so cool and lovely and we asked consensually and then we hugged and yeah, uh, his eyes are filling with tears I know I've been thinking about it constantly for the past several days it was probably it was like one of the most touching moments of my entire life yeah. um, and it was just so cool to have that connection and so cool to feel like my not to like make it all about me but that like my visible identity and like telling even a short portion of my story in the in the talkbacks um helped somebody and like resonated with somebody and like built that really uh intense moment and that intense connection and it's just so cool to like remind ourselves and be validated in like why we're doing what we're doing and like why we're making art and like the power of telling our stories um oh totally i mean controlling the way we tell our stories and querying the way we tell our stories and that's a good oh that's such a good segue but i'm I'm sorry i'm gonna steal it no that's okay it's a segue into what we're talking about for our show but yeah uh I'll, i'll i'll bring it right back i'll bring it right back there um in that same vein uh my stage manager who is also a non-binary queer person uh wanted to bring their parents to see the show because they wanted their parents to, like, understand what their experience was and they thought that the show was a successful way of doing that. And I was just, like, so honored that, like, a non-binary person used me as a conduit to, like, have that conversation with their parents, which is so tight. Um, so anyway, yeah, we are talking about queering storytelling and the importance of queer storytelling today. We're going to be focusing on the games Gone Home and Butterfly Soup, if you have ever mm-hmm. played them. They're uh, both very good games. Yes. That lovely asexual person who we are speaking about, uh, also, uh, wrote me a card after the show with a little butterfly in it for the game Butterfly Soup, because it's a very good video game. It's an extremely good video game. Yeah, I want to talk about uh, queering storytelling, and I guess we should give some context for what we mean by that. Yes. I don't guess. We should give some context for what we mean by that. Um, so, obviously, we talk, we're talk. we talking about, like, our whole focus is talking about games that tell queer stories, mm-hmm. but this week I wanted to tell talk about games that tell stories queerly, um, which is to say, like, non-sort of linear traditional narratives yeah. and, like narratives that the format of the narrative itself like mirrors a queer experience um so like 
I wanted to talk about Gone Home specifically, which, again, has been out for, like, more than five years. Um, yeah, it came out in uh, 2013. Yeah. Um, so five years. Um, but Gone Home is this game, um, and I sort of have to spoil it in order to talk about what I'm talking it's about. Fine. It's but been it's been out for five years. years. Um, that you arrive, you play as somebody who arrives home from college. It's set in the 90s. Um, you arrive home from college to this big house that your family moved into while you were away at college, so mm-hmm. it's unfamiliar to you. And you arrive, and there's no one home, um, which is weird to you because you like told them when you were going to be home and whatever. And uh, so you get inside, and there's this really like dire note from your sister on the yeah. door. Like It's set up as a horror game almost, and I guess it started out as an amnesia mod. Yeah, yeah um, it was in a different engine that was for a horror game, yeah. so it's like... Amnesia, one of the scariest games of all time. Yes. I think, personally. I'm t- Like, Outlast 2 was pretty fucking scary to watch. Yeah, but we didn't play it. No, we just watched uh, Jeff and Simone play the whole thing from yeah, Polygon. Polygon, thank you. Um, which is sort of like playing it. And it's also a nonsense game. Anyway, so you arrive inside and... Um, oh, there's a cat. Everybody was petting the cat yeah. for a moment. Um, you arrive inside and... Uh, with this, like, dire note from your sister that really sets up this, like, oh, fuck, what happened here mm-hmm. situation. And you walk around. It's a just basically a walking sim. Like, you walk around the whole house and, like, interact with objects and... Uh, listen, uh, to, listen to music. Listen to really, music. Really, cool really music. good soundtrack. Yeah. It's, like, this really excellent, like, 90s Riot Girl so queer punk soundtrack. Yeah. It's so good. Um, that you can like find, but it's like you find it in your sister's room, and so it's just like you listening to Bikini Kill alone in the dark, which is still kind of scary. Um, not that I haven't done that a million times. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> not that I haven't spent a lot of time crying alone to Slater Kenny in the dark. Um, it's one of my favorite activities, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so you walk around this house and you discover all these like secret passages because it's this yeah, big, it's huge this house. Old house. And um, I was fucking terrified the whole time I was playing the he game. He was very scared of things in general. I'm very scared of things in general. Yeah, that's why I don't play horror games. Yeah, no. Because I am a big baby. Um, and uh, I just, it really, they really get under my skin really easily because it, it's like I am there in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and it's totally um, fine. Nobody's trying to make you. No, I know. I'm just explaining why yeah. I'm so scared of them specifically. And like this game, like I get really freaked out by and really scared by, um, how, like, places where people are supposed to be that they are not. Uh-huh. Like, even, I have spent exactly one night alone in our big, like, 100-year-old house yeah. <laughs> since we've lived here um, around the holidays. And uh, I was so spooked the whole time. A, our house is wicked haunted. But it's very haunted. the ghost is cool, but it was ghost just cool. so, it's so spooky to me every time to, like, be in this big house where people should be and they're not yeah i lived um, here alone for a month when i first moved in yeah well you're a little less spooked by that but it yeah. still sounded it's, very, it's very spooky. spooky um and so that was very specifically scary to me that like all these like dark hallways and stuff that mm-hmm. are like very specific features in my nightmares yeah um and like you go every room you go into because of like the context you're given and you're still given all these like clues kind of as you go on to like something happened here yeah yeah what happened um and so it builds up this thing, I think, where every around every corner you're expecting to, like, find your family horribly murdered or, like, a monster, whatever. I, like, looked it up on the internet, and the internet was like, there's no jump scares, but I didn't, I don't trust the internet. Um, Correct. Good option. Yeah. I started being on the internet in the time when screamers were really popular. Yeah, me too. And they that scared the not, living not motherfuck out of those. me. Um, I, like, wouldn't play any Flash games for a while because I was afraid every single one was a, a screamer. Um, and... Uh, 
so yeah, and so vi- like your sister's narrative is sort of the focus. You discover as you go on that your parents aren't there because like your dad cheated and they've gone away to like emergency marriage counseling, basically. Yeah. Um, and you discover as you go on that your sister had this relationship with another woman, um, and you like discover like that her like partner was going to go off to the military and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And you like discover more things about their story and like them planning to run away and whatever. And then like the last moment of the game, it's only about two hours long. It's a very yeah, good game. It's a very short game. Um, you are like, you look up at this like attic that has all this like red light around yeah, it. Yeah, And you think that there's oh, also during this whole time, sorry to interrupt you. You think there's a satanic ritual going on? Oh yeah. Because yeah. there's a lot of really interesting, like, Symbols that yeah, are yeah. There's like weird symbols and like and weird passageways like, yeah, in your uh, house. Peters, we're witches. It's fine. Yeah. But, uh, you know. But it context, sets up. Yeah. It sets, sets up, up that this there's really this scary weird thing. supernatural. And every, thing. there's like a couple months. Like when you go into the dining room and like all the doors are blown open and stuff, yeah. and you're like, oh fuck this! Yeah, like I'm, they're gonna be murdered everywhere. in there for sure. Yeah. And they're not. Or like though. you go into the basement and it's all dark and you're like, oh fuck this! Yeah. They're gonna be murdered. To, like there's gonna be some fucked up shit down here, but they weren't. Um, and then you go up into the attic is the last moment you like spend the whole time like finding the key to the attic basically yeah. and you go up into the attic and um, I fully expected this to like to go up into the attic and see your sister like hanging there. Uh, um, yeah. But what happens instead is you just find your sister's dark room which has like the family you find out did not react well to the sister's like relationship with this woman like the family was like really against it and stuff um, to your gay sister and then you go upstairs and you just find your, it was your sister's dark room, and that's why the red light was coming down out of it. Yeah. Um, and there's all these pictures of her and her girlfriend. It's very cute. And then you find a letter from your sister up there that's like, hey, like, my girlfriend didn't go to the military. Instead, we ran off into the sunset, like. And are doing okay. And we're doing great. Hit me up. And it's this, like, there is the no more, I would argue, no more catharsis in the end of a video game than there is at the end of Gone Home. Because you spend the whole time, so I spent the whole time. Yeah, you spent. This was your experience. Fucking terrified, like high alert, fucking terrified. And at the end, it was like, oh, it was all fine. She's just gay, and she ran off with her <laughs> girlfriend. And so I, that was a long summary of Gone Home. But I wanted to talk about that in terms of the way that the story itself, like the way that the story is told, is um, yeah. speaking to the experience of being queer. Because for me, it it really mirrors this experience of. Queerness as the other, um, queerness as the the abject, and queerness as the the uncanny, and the grotesque, yeah, and the grotesque and the unheimlich, and uh, you, um, I've read House of Leaves, and you, um, like spend the whole time being so scared of this thing that you don't know what it is, and like you think it's gonna be something worse the entire time, and the game really sets you up to think that, mm-hmm. um, and then at the end you get to it, and it's like, oh, it was just gay. And I think that really mirrors this, like, um, and it was in the 90s, too, and there was still this big gay panic. Yeah, I mean, it was in 1995 was when the game took place. Yeah, um, and um, so this big gay panic and, like, this whole panic of, like, like the family hates that she's gay and blah, 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 and, like, this terrifying abject thing that just turns out. And I so I think it mirrors that experience of, um, I think, how other people think of queerness and certainly how, like, I thought of queerness before I was just queer. And I also think it's some, in some capacity, at least for me, mirrored my experience of, like, being queer or coming out a little bit. That Mm -hmm. it was, like, this terrifying thing, this terrifying thing, this terrifying thing. And then I get to, you know, I unlock a certain key and then it's just fine. It's just queer and it's fine. 
like for me, I was so terrified of being gay, um, being lesbian specifically because of uh, how much bullying I experienced before, way before I was even out. I just think the development of my sexuality was kind of weird because I am asexual that like, I didn't have a sexuality, I don't think, for a while. And, like, I don't... Like, I didn't know being queer was a thing you could be until I was, like, 13. If mm-hmm. I told this story about uh, my friend's moms... I don't know if you told it on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've told you this story. Yeah. Um, I didn't know being queer was a thing you could be until, like, 13. Like, I just didn't know it existed. Um, my A friend of mine uh, has two moms, and I thought when we were growing up that her mom uh, just had a roommate that they slept in the same bed and I didn't think anything of it. Like I didn't know being gay existed. So I had no context for the fact that she had two moms. And then we were having this conversation one time and, uh, she was like, I like said something about how having two moms would be weird. I found (laughs) out what being gay was. And, uh, she she was was like, like, I do have two moms. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like I just had no clue at all. Um, so for me, and then then when I was 13, uh, when I was in the seventh grade, literally all of my friends stopped talking to me at the same time because they thought I was a lesbian. A very mean girl situation. Very mean girl situation. Uh, they were right, but I didn't <laughs> but know still. that for several years. So it became, and then uh, it became like so intrinsically associated with like lesbian means I'll lose all my friends. Like being gay means uh, I will be alone. Um, being gay means I will be alone and I will be hated was the thing I was taught really in a, in a real time sense. Like I learned that by experience. Mm -hmm. So for me that gone home, like that form of storytelling sort of mirrored that experience for Mm -hmm. me. And I think accurately portrayed that experience that I think a lot of folks have where it's this terrifying secret that you're so afraid to discover the whole game. And then the secret turned out to be that, Oh, Tori's in a box. She never does that. Sorry, this is big news. She's in a box. The cat's in a box. Okay. Our cat does not like getting in boxes. This is big news. That's You're right. Um, um, <laughs> it mirrors this experience that a lot of people have. It's a very exciting moment I know. For me, I'm very happy for you. My child. Um, that uh, it mirrored this experience of this terrifying secret that you're spending the whole game finding out in this like dark house, which I think really, um, oh fuck, I just scratched my tattoo. No, oh, um, That uh, really, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I think there's a lot to be said about like dark houses and dark living spaces as an allegory for like a sense of unsafety where you should be safe. Like, well, yeah, it's like uh, uncomfortability. Yeah. Like, well, it is, and it's that uncanny. And the, yeah, yeah, because it's, it's like, um, oh, God, uncomfortability and comfort in this really weird marriage that doesn't make a lot of sense. might call it. And comfort in this weird marriage that doesn't really make sense. Is sorry, uncomfortable not a word? Is uncomfortability um, not a word? No, discomfort is the word for that. What? Yeah. Fuck, I put uncomfortable in my thesis. Uncomfortable is a word. Uncomfortability Why? is not a word. That's stupid. Discomfort is the word That's for uncomfortability. That's dumb, and I hate it. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> English is bad. Discomfort is a word that you know. I Yes, it is. I just, whatever. Okay, so comfort and discomfort, whatever the fuck that is, uh, in a really <laughs> weird marriage. I hate you. <laughs> I'm just mad. I don't like that. Um, where was I going with that? In this yeah, really yeah, weird marriage. In this really weird marriage because it's like a house, which is like a home, and it's like familiar, but this is a new house to you, the protagonist, mm-hmm. and it's also like dark and spooky. So it's this really uh, interesting combination of like the comfortable because you see your family life like seeping in a lot of the stuff from your childhood that you recognize. But then you also have this big old house that's like 
full of locked doors and really weirdly open uh-huh. cabinets. And see, well, as you know, you discover a lot of family secrets, but it's also like allegorical for family secrets. Like, yeah. That's, I think, part of why the like big haunted house um, that is supposed to be this home is such a trope in the Gothic specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I yeah. mean, in House of Leaves, like the monster is the house. Yeah. Um, and House of Leaves scared the fuck. I love that book. It scared yeah, it's the so fuck out of me. Because it's, it, it also, it, it's right there, watching you. There it is. It's, it serves as an allegory for the thing that's happening, which is discovering all these family secrets. Mm-hmm. But in Gone Home, it's discovering all these family secrets that aren't as bad as you think they're going to be the whole time. Yeah. But it shows, like, you're 19 and you just got home from college and gone home. So, like, you're still, uh, you know, pretty young. And I think especially, I think it, it, it you are sort of experiencing the story of the sister, too, where it's, like, all yeah. these... I mean, really you're reading big, all these notes. Yeah, all these really big, scary family secrets that turn out to be, you know, there's still consequences and emotional weight to them, but, like, they turn out to just be fine. It's just gay, and it's fine. Um, or, like, the parents are cheating. Like, your parents are just pieces of shit, and that's fine. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think that's such an effective trope. And, it, again, it really specifically scares me, partly because of, like, what my life and the life that I've lived, but... Um, yeah, so that's why that Gone Home, I think, is an effective queer method of telling a queer story. Um, well, I mean, it's also not fully linear in the mm-hmm. way that it's told, because not only are the, um, are the, like, notes that you find not in a specific, like, time frame order, but also, I know that it's kind of railroaded, but it's not fully railroaded, because mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you can go wherever in the house, but you can't really go wherever in the house. Yeah. Um, well, I, you have to discover You have to discover story. it, yeah. You and have I think to discover, that's, yeah, what's like, next. super playing with uh, the, the like, straight timeline that you have to follow mm-hmm, in totally. a lot of other games. Well, I, I think, really yeah. like not being railroaded in that sense mm-hmm. because, it, it yeah, it allows for a sense of discovery, which I think is a lot of, like, what coming out is. Sure, absolutely. Is a lot of discovery and just kind of, like, searching around in the dark corners of the house that is you. Yeah, totally. Well, it, yeah, it uh, like you were saying, it's like the fact that you have to discover and progress the story. It's kind of like um, a more recent game, which I won't spoil because it's brand new and everyone should play it, What Remains of Edith Finch. Mm, God, it's one of my game. favorite games I've maybe ever played. It's a beautiful, perfect game. It's so game. short, too. It's short, too, but it's, it's the same thing. It's a walking sim where, like, it's in this big spooky house mm-hmm. and you have to discover what's next. Like, you have to progress the story yeah. by finding all these secrets basically and like going into these memories um and that game is a little it it is sort of more linear in a sense but it's also less linear because you have all these like flashbacks Mm -hmm. um and it's so cool what reminds me the finch is such a cool game yeah there's an instance of queerness in that um and your character doesn't have a dedicated sexuality and you're playing as a Um, arguably queered character you're playing as a young woman yeah yeah um and i won't tell you the other things about her because it's revealed yeah in the that, game. that is revealed but she has queer aspects yeah. um and you should play what yeah she wears fingerless gloves which is gay she does wear fingerless gloves which is gay um and uh yeah that it's it's games like that that tell a story in a somewhat non-traditional way um and again gone home which sort of like sets itself up with the feel of a horror game and then turns out to just be fine is so cool to me. And on the way other end of the spectrum, you wanted to talk about uh, Butterfly Oh, Super. I was going to talk more about Gone Home. Oh, okay. I was going to say that I had a, a very different experience playing Gone Home than you did that I was really interested about. Yeah, because no, I want to hear that. I, I did play it alone in our house, I think. I think that I was alone in our house. Um, 
I, because I remember you getting home and me being like, going home was so good when you got back. Um, but I was definitely not as scared the whole time by the whole thing. It just kind of felt like an exploring house sim because I'm really curious about exploring houses in general and the fact that it was dark didn't really spook me and the fact that there were some witchy things didn't really spook me. The I was like slightly concerned for the, for the uh, child because I was like, where, where is she? Is she okay? Like, is she going to be all right? Um, because I also have shitty parents, like so many of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I know that I was like, um, concerned about the, these parents treatment of their children, but I wasn't, I wasn't spooked the whole time. That's um, so interesting to me. I think part of that is your life context, but I, I also think you had a little more context going into the game. I did have more context going into the game than you did because I knew because you told me like there will be no jump scares, and I trust you more than I trust the internet, Hannah. Yeah. And you told me well, that you like also the know that I would, I would throw my computer through the window. Well, yeah, exactly. Jump scare that game. Um, and not only that, but <laughs> also uh, I like came out super young and. Mm-hmm. My bullying for being gay happened after I knew I was gay right. and I had told everyone I was gay. Like, I was still bullied for being gay a But you were bullied ton. in reaction but I was to bully- actually being out gay yeah. rather than what other people decided for you. Yeah, I decided for myself mm-hmm. that I was queer. Um, and that is a very different experience than not having that choice given to you. Uh, and I think that that has definitely influenced a lot of the ways that I think about my queerness. Um, and it definitely makes the experiences of the abject and horror very different for me mm-hmm, totally, than yeah. I think that they are for you. Well, you like horror too. You like I horror movies. Horror. You like horror games kind of. I can't play them. Yeah. But I'll watch people play I'll them. I'll watch people play them too. It depends on the horror game, to be honest. Uh, if somebody else is there with me, I can play them because I've played a horror VR game. Um, Which and I, I never it's, do. Yeah, I, yeah, it was boy howdy. Um, yeah, uh, but like Telltale games really stress you out and you can't play them. Choices are so scary because yeah, I'm going to make the wrong choice. I always make the wrong choice. Well, there's a lot of games where there is no wrong choice and there's a lot of games where there is no right choice. Um, everybody got choices. I'm just expressing my psychological state when I go into Telltale games. Yeah. Um, and like horror games, like especially like amnesia is so specifically scary to me because you can't fight back against the monster. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just don't like horror games in general, but, uh, gone home, like again, it started as an amnesia mod, so it feels sort of similar in that way. Yeah. I mean the controls, I've played amnesia. Um, I haven't played it for long, but I've played it. Uh, the controls are very similar and it reminded me very distinctly of the same feeling that I had when playing amnesia. Mm -hmm. So for the first little bit, I was, like, checking behind my character to make sure. And I would close all the doors behind me and everything. But oh, that's just because yeah. I have OCD. Um, but, yeah, I are, are you ready to get into Butterfly Soup? Because I love that game and where uh, we got some time to talk about it. Yeah, I uh, I think I had one more thing to oh, okay. talk about going home, but I can't really remember. Yeah, uh, closing doors behind you. Yeah, and I, uh, again, I think you had more context going into it, too, where, like, yeah. at least someone, had t- I don't know if it was me, but at least someone had told you, like, it feels like a horror game, but it's not. Like, mm-hmm. it feels scary, yeah. but it's not going to be. Where I didn't have that context yeah. at all. I had just heard Gone Home was really good, and I should play it. It was cheap on Steam. Um, and so I played it uh, not knowing that it wasn't actually a horror game, which I think is a really... Now we've spoiled it for our whole audience, but is a really interesting way to play that game um, because it puts you more in that mindset, I think, of uh, 
expecting to be scared and then everything turning out fine, which again was so cathartic. I mean, we'll write spoilers in the episode description. Plus, I think it's still a good game to play regardless. Well, of yeah, or not. and again, it's been out for five years. Yeah, exactly. You can't spoil something for it's been out for five. Yeah, years. most queer people know about it. Yeah, on the internet, about Gone Home. Who yeah, play video games. Yeah, and it's like very cheap on Steam. Again, it's, it's like two cheap, hours yeah. long, and it's like cheap on Steam, and yeah. you should play it. You should. Uh, speaking of games that are short and cheap, uh, you should also Butterfly play Butterfly Soup, Soup by uh, Brianna Lay. I believe is uh, their name. Um, they created this incredible game that follows this group of four uh, queer Asian American like teens going into their first year of high school in two thousand eight, and it centers on like their experiences with uh, playing softball. Uh-huh. Um, baseball. And that, I'm sorry. Yes, baseball. Uh, fuck. I just was listening to Query this morning where. Um, one of the guests got baseball and softball mixed up, and I was oh, like, no, I would never do that. Kai. And then I instantly did that. Um, that's, that's a lesbian demerit. I know. I'm sorry. I've gotten so many of those, and I haven't got the opportunity to give you any, and I'm so mad about well, it. Well, it's because I'm a perfect lesbian. Don't ever use those words. <laughs> um, there's there's negative connotations I know. There. That's the joke. I know. It's a good joke. Well, I'm an A-plus lesbian, so. So am I. Are you talking about how we have autostraddle, uh, autostraddle subscriptions? Don't you even not have one of those? I do have one of those. Okay. What level? What level are you? I'm cobalt. Damn, son! What does that mean? It's the lowest one. Oh, no, bronze is the lowest one. No, cobalt's am. the lowest one. Oh, I'm bronze then. Ha! Oh. Ha ha! I'm a bronze level subscriber. I don't know what Whatever. I give um, six bucks a month. How can you not get six bucks a month? I thought I give three. Give six. You have so much money. I I don't have. I I literally have to save up right now to pay you all for your design work. I know, but six months a month, man. I'll I'll upgrade it when I can afford it. <laughs> Get off my ass. Um, Butterfly Soup is a very good game that talks about for queer Asian American teens. Uh, and it's just um, it's a visual novel, and it's basically like four to five hours long, depending on um, you know how quickly you read and. I, I guess how how long you take to make some of the yeah. some of the dialogue decisions, um, and it's just this really cute narrative of these queers in two thousand and eight, and it also follows the Proposition Eight stuff in California, yep. which was happening that year, um, and it t- it takes place in California, which is another p- piece yep. of context that I definitely should have mentioned. Northern but California, it, yeah, Northern California. It speaks very specifically to like the experience of queer youth, but also like uh, Asian American youth. Uh-huh. Um, and they make a lot of jokes about how like uh, white people in their area were the minority. Yeah. And like they they were making fun of all of their white friends. Yeah. For, like it was very good. I loved it a lot. And these. These young people are just so sweet and just so good. And there was um, gender queerness that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. It just made me so delighted that there were so many different aspects of queerness that Mm -hmm. were talked about in this game. Totally. And talked about in a really, I don't know, um, it, it still feels so new to me when we tell stories of queer youth. Like, it still feels new to me um, because when I was a young person who was queer, most of the stories that I heard about queer people were, like, older queer people, mm-hmm. like, uh, some of whom were, like, dying of HIV yeah, and like AIDS. Doom or and like doom and gloom stuff. Doom and gloom stuff or, like, older lesbians who were married and had cats or, like, uh, older lesbians who were misandrists and, like, social activists. Like, really stereotypical images of queer people, all of whom were, like, in my mind, like, 30 plus. Like, uh, like young people just couldn't be queer in my yeah. mind um, because those stories weren't being presented to me. Not like the stories of older queer people were being presented to me either, but uh, it was still but very like rare. Yeah, it was still youth, very rare yeah. to see queer youth. Um, so I didn't really know how to be a queer youth. Um, and there's a lot of power in like discovering 
how to do that for yourself, sure. But I really wish that I had seen mm-hmm. something like this, of this yeah. sort. Yeah, stories like this are just like so um, inspiring and wonderful because they provide uh, a sort of blueprints and like a groundwork for mm-hmm. young people to be queer and feel comfortable being queer and to see themselves in these stories and be like you know I could do that like yeah. that could be me well and it's so cute and uh Simone probably got and talked about it in her it was one of her games of the year mm-hmm. last year because she talks about it in her review that like even though like you know she and you and I are not uh people of color that she like f- resonated that with that so much as she was a bisexual teenager now she's a wonderful bisexual adult probably I haven't met her she just seems really really cool um and uh but like same thing that like I am not a person of color but like I played that game and it was like I didn't have that experience until a little bit later until I was like 18 yeah but a lot of the queer stuff you can yeah there's a moment when like one of the characters there's no like main character I think it's one of the queerest things about the way the story is told is that it rotates equally between this little queer family that's yeah. being built. Um, and that there's no, like, one main or more important character, but one of the characters you're playing as, like, another of the ca- the character that, like, she is into, uh, like, tackles her in the locker room accidentally. Yeah. And there's a moment where she's laying on the floor where she's like, I'm, like, her thoughts are like, I'm gay! I'm gay, I'm gay, I'm gay! When she had, like, been, like, struggling with that, like, yeah. for a minute. Uh, and then that, I just, that was such a cute and, like, I feel like so relevant moment of... When you're like, I don't know, am I, am I? And then, like, a girl does something great, and you're like, oh, I am. I'm so gay. Yeah. Oh, girls, 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 girls. That's basically what forced me into coming out when I was 13. Yeah, because girls, man. Yeah, girls, girls. dude. Um, girls are a treasure. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it, it tells that story in a real court. And it's sort of really opposite the way the story is told and mirrors queerness to Gone Home because it... Rather than you, like it's a it's a, a visual novel, so like yeah, rather than different you than discover discovering the story, it sort of guides you through the story. Like yeah. there's like things you can click on in certain moments and so forth. Yeah, and like a little bit of exploring you can do, but like there is, it's like it very gently is like, okay, here's where we're going next. Like yeah. here's the next bit of the story. But it felt appropriate for this particular. No, that's story. what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, is is it it tells a a queer experience in sort of the opposite way to Gone Home, but also a very valuable and relevant way um, that is like, I don't know, it's like a new type of, it's it's not a new type of queer narrative, but it's new in the like public sphere, I feel like, that like it's it's a, it's a more gentle and more, um, I don't know, just beautiful. Like it's a very colorful game. It's so colorful. Yeah, which is not to say it doesn't have like, a couple of the folks have like abusive parents in the game, and like that's not yeah, shy I mean, there's away still from struggles that yeah, these there's people struggles, experience yeah, because and it's, it's not realistic. Shy to, yeah, it's tr- there's struggles, and it's not shied away from, but it's not like it's presented very realistically. But it's also it's grounded constantly in this sense of community, and this sense of levity, and this sense of just like joy. Yeah, um, like that I think is the most revolutionary thing about Butterfly Soup is that it's such a like bright and joyful game. Um, and it has an ending where none of the queer people die, and in fact, some of them end up together, and it's very, like, It's happy. a beautiful ending. It's an incredibly yeah. happy ending, and it was so, it's just heartwarming and soul-filling, and I want to play that game again. Yeah, me too. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's really beautiful, and it's really accessible as a visual novel, like, even if folks don't play video games. Yeah, that's like, the I thing. I think it's very accessible, and it would be very accessible as, like, a tool to, um, 
like show because like several of the characters like come out during the course of the game. Yeah. But like a tool to like if you had somebody who was like struggling with their own queerness or somebody who was like uh, on the fence about how they felt about gay people, like I feel like you could give them this game to play and. Um, that would be a really strong age. I think like, it's very empathy building the way mm-hmm. that the stories are told because they're they're presented in such a way that um, feels very vulnerable mm-hmm. and like open and honest because you're seeing into these characters like inner thoughts and also like outer experiences. Mm-hmm. And I think that builds a whole life really successfully over the course of four to five hours in a way that produces this level of empathy that I don't necessarily think. Uh, would be as effective in a different medium for this particular story, which totally. I really appreciate because we've been talking to the power of like empathy building and sharing narratives mm-hmm. all week. Mm-hmm. So that's just what's on my mind right now. And I think that this is a really good and important narrative to share. Totally, because yeah. Because it's one that you don't see all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it, uh, especially, I'm sorry, sorry. No, like, especially, uh, like, you don't see the story of queer Asian American youth, like, any, anywhere. Yeah. So I think it's so tight and so important that there's this incredible visual novel that's available for uh, very cheap. Yeah. Um, it's like a pay what you can. It's a pay what you can situation. Yeah. yeah. If you just look up Butterfly Soup on Google, it'll mm-hmm. be the first result. You yes. can pick it up and it's so worth it. Um, there is a, uh, and the name too, the name Butterfly Soup refers to like how, this is wild to me, but it is scientifically true when butterflies build a cocoon, they essentially liquefy themselves and then like reform like, the caterpillar builds a cocoon and then essentially, like, liquefies itself inside the cocoon and then, like, reforms into a butterfly. Our producer is displeased. Uh, our producer is displeased. That's true. That's how butterflies yeah, come to me. crazy? Um, but referring to that process of, like, growth and change and, like, breaking yourself down to, not in a bad way, but, like, breaking yeah. yourself down in order to rebuild yourself as a big queer butterfly. Yeah. Um, that um, it's, uh, lost my train of thought. It'll come back. Um... Oh, the video games, I think, have the potential... Like, video games, I would argue... Video games and books, but video games are one of the, like... Video games and books serve a similar function in being a queer way to tell a story because you are in charge of progressing the narrative. Yeah. Um, like, less so in Butterfly Soup, but even still, you have to, like, click. Like, you have to interact with it. Yeah, like, with the book, you have to turn um, a page. Yeah, you have to turn a page and you have to read. Um, that That is such a powerful way to build empathy and such a powerful way to tell a queer story. Um, because like you said, like you, well, like I said, like you said, you have to turn the page. Like I said, you have to, um, be in charge of your own narrative. Like you have to be in charge of the way that you interact with the game. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, in like choice based games or like more interaction based games, you, you choose what the sexuality of your character is, or like you choose Mm -hmm. how the story goes. Um, and that is so cool. That's just so cool. That's such a cool thing about video games that like they really, more so than pretty much any medium, they put the power in your hands to reveal the story, or sometimes even to build the story. Yeah. Um, like obviously the the you know the coding of the game is there, but like you get to build how you reveal that coding. Totally. Um, and that's that itself is a queer way to tell the story. I think this is probably a good place for us to yeah. wrap up. Um, you should I play do. Gone Home. You should play. You should for yeah. sure play Butterfly Soup. I also wanted to take a quick second to thank uh, Aaron, one of our uh, fans who sent us an email. Yeah! Um, which yeah. is very exciting. Unfortunately, I was not able to find time to play Diaries of a Spaceport Janitor like you recommended. Yeah, but a busy ass week. I will do it this coming week. I'm going to do it, yeah. Because I want to so bad. And I'm going to play it and you're going to watch. Okay. Because I, I watch you play video games all the time and I want that's you to true. watch me play this one video game. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> it's just that, I don't know. 
I just, I play, I don't know. I know. I, it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's just I want to have a video game that I play and you watch it. Okay, that's fine. We okay. could also just both play the video game. It's short. Fine. I, I wanted to play that's it too. That's fine. Okay, well, we Am can, I just, I just wanted to make sure that I'm not disallowed from playing this You're not allowed game. to play this video oh, game. no, fuck. I'm sorry, I don't make the rules. I I, it was to, in the email. I wanted to play it. It was not in the email. Aaron did not say that to you. Um, <laughs> I want to play Gender Wrecked. Yeah, yeah, if you, you should play Gender Wrecked, and I'll play this one, and then we can take notes and compare. Yeah, I, well, because you've also played Gender Wrecked, so I also want to play that. You're just for Gender I'm going right. to play it, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> um... I, uh, yeah, I just filed my four weeks notice at one of my jobs. So Yay. I have way more time uh, to play video games. I just finished money. writing my 75-page yeah. thesis over the same weekend that I opened and closed my show. So I'm going to have uh, way more time No to more stress ulcers for you. Well, there still will be a lot because I got to graduate. Yeah, but like you're in the you're in the easy part of graduating now. I guess. You're in the home stretch. Yeah. You've done the hard part. You I just, just need to. I just need so many hugs. Take it on home. I know, my dude. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, you just need to bring it on home, and then oh, you'll sure be good, good to go. Oh, yeah. Um, you've only got, like, a month left. And then you will change. hear me talk about so many video games, you won't even know what to do with yourselves. Yeah, you won't even have time to podcast. Because I'll be play. playing three video games at once. Yep. Two uh, with my feet, one with my hands. Shout out to, uh, let's start talking about our brand and our social media. Yeah. Uh, I want to shout out, because I know that she's comfortable with having her name on the podcast. I'm going to shout out to Addie. For being the blessed, sweet angel, yes. my dear, sweet, blessed, wonderful Addie, who <laughs> at the end of, we forgot every night of the talkbacks for your show to plug either your blog, which is more relevant, or our podcast, except in like an individual basis, which yeah. if anybody, because uh, we did t- tell a few people about the show afterwards. Hi. So I know. It's so- not guys. We're not guys. Yeah. Uh, friends, <laughs> folks. Friends. I know. We fucked uh, up. We, um, uh, yeah, we talked to like some folks on an individual level and told yeah. them about the podcast. Like I've told several people about the podcast this week. And so shout out to, and if anybody is listening, thank you. We love thank you. you. But we forgot to like do it in a public forum. So Addie, blessed Addie, at the end of one night, like raised her hand and was like, where can we find more of your words or maybe listen to your voice for an hour every Monday? And we were like, ah, fuck. My um, blog and our podcast. Our blog podcast. Um. So thanks to Addie for making us Thank plug you, our Addie. podcast at least one night, which I think was the biggest audience. It night. was the biggest audience. We were overbooked, is why it was the biggest audience. Yeah. Um, and uh, social media: find us on Instagram at Gay Gamers. Find us on Twitter at Gay Gamers. Find us on Facebook at Gay Gamers. This is all with a Z. Yes. G A Y G A M E R Z. Yes. Uh, gay Gamers. Good job. Um, or on Facebook, you can search if it's gay we play. Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us if it at you can email us at if it's gay we play at gmail.com. Um, we've had one email from a lovely listener, and yeah. that was so cool to get. It was, was so, so exciting, and uh, it's a really helpful email. Yeah, that we thank you to them. Of. Yeah, thank you to them. Um, and if you send us uh, uh, stuff on social media, we would love it if you included your pronouns so we can address you and thank yes, you directly that's very good. and, and uh, properly. Please do so. Um, and uh, and we got our first hate message. We got our first hate message. We were so excited. Yeah, yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, uh, somebody told us to kill ourselves on Instagram. Yeah, it was great. We loved <laughs> it. Was really it. Funny. Yeah. Um, I just think that's such a bonkers thing. It, it's the anonymity, anonymity of the internet, and it's such a wild thing to say to somebody that I just find it very funny. 
You'll uh, find it less funny when we get a lot more of those. No, Tell I'm still going to find it pretty funny, okay. I promise. Well, okay. Uh, because they have no power. It's the internet. Um, I know they do have power if they, like, DOS us or whatever, but I, whatever. We'll keep an eye out. Anyway, thank uh, you for all of your messages. Yeah, thank you for all your messages. Um, we know that we're doing something right if we piss people off. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, on, uh, you can find us at stickpokeprod.com, mm-hmm. Stickpoke Productions. Uh, you can also find the other shows on that network. Yes. Uh, we've got Encyclopedia, uh, talk about what makes folks who they are. Um, we've got, um, Grandma's House. Grandma's House. This is Grandma's House. Um, we've got, is that the other two on the podcast? On the That's network it. right now? That's cool. the whole thing. Um, next weekend, we are going to be doing somewhat of a special episode, uh, where, I mean, we're still going to be recording, but we're going to be recording, maybe releasing on Sunday, um, cause we're doing a podcast-a-thon. Yep. For our lovely producer, Aaron, where he's going to stay up all night to promote his music festival, yeah, the Orpheus. Uh, music and arts festival that's happening in Denver um, that he is putting together. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for more details about that music festival. We will probably share it on our social media. Yes. um, And we're going to be talking about it a lot last week because we're trying to raise uh, awareness and money for the music festival. Yes. yes. Um, Yeah. Shout out to our cat, Tori. She's drinking water. She's drinking some water right now. She's very yummy. I would love to, we'll put this on the podcast social media because I want people to know that our cat only drinks water out of human glasses. She won't drink, she has her cat bowl next to the human glass, but she won't drink out of that. She refuses. She only likes to drink out of like a pint glass. She knows that she's people like us. She's people like us. Um, shout out to everybody who has commented and liked and rated our stuff. We would love iTunes ratings. Uh, yes, and please reviews. rate review Help us on iTunes. Help us get to more people. Um, you can also stream us directly on stickpokeprod.com. Uh, if iTunes is not your jam, that's making it a little more accessible to folks. Yes. Um, I think that's it. That's, that's it. all the things. Um... Yeah, we will see you next week where there's going to be a couple of revival performances of uh, 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 Transbenders. So oh, yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah. About we'll talk more. about those when we get yeah, more information we'll get about more them. Information um, them. Yeah, we'll um, keep you all updated. It would be nice to see people's lovely faces again. Yeah, it's really, really, honestly, really, really good show. Too. Thank you. Yes, um, it is a good show. Yeah. Um, um, keep playing gay. Keep being games. Goodbye. Goodbye. We love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye.